Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Broke Down Podcast. This is episode 39. This is our third episode for February, and it's another special one because this week, our guest is the one and only Bill Payne, founder of Little Feet, who are celebrating 50 years this year, as well as one-time member of Leftover Salmon and current member of the Doobie Brothers. We get into all of that and more, and we'll get down to that in just a little bit. First, let me remind you that the Broke Down Podcast is a member of the Osiris Network. Osiris is about connecting you to the music and things that you love through podcasts, videos, and live events. You can find all of that and more and sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com. Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers are heading back out on the road. The tour kicks off on 228 and runs through the month of March. They are all over the place. They're also on the lineup of the Lockenfest. That lineup was just announced and it's looking like a real good time. I think the probability is high that you will see me there. Phil is going to be in Chicago on the 7th and 8th of March at Talia Hall with the Terrapin Family Band. He's also turning up at Terrapin Crossroads all the time, as usual, so uh, yeah, check that out. Let me tell you about this great email I got the other day from a listener, a listener named Ryan. I'll read you a couple little lines out of it. I just wanted to drop you a line to say that the show is fantastic. The guests are right in the wheelhouse of current music that I enjoy most in the lineage of what the dead started 50 years ago in the Bay. He also says of the, specifically of the Garcia Peoples episode, that recording of the live show you played on this new episode hit me like a bag of bricks. Wow, I've got to see them. Can't wait to hear their new record. Yeah, well, thanks so much for reaching out, Ryan. And I got to tell you, you're going to be psyched by the new record. It's really rad. That comes out at the end of March. So y'all keep an eye out for that. Last time I told you about the t-shirts and the other things on the Redbubble site. They're going away soon, so please check them out. Go to redbubble.com and search for the Broke Down Podcast or go to my website, brokedownpodcast.blogspot.com. Click on the dude in the shirt. I'm looking for new ways to get you merch and we'll be closing that store soon. Not sure how long it'll take to make whatever moves I'll be making. So if you need some threads or a mug or whatever with our sweet logo, get on it now. Okay. So Bill Payne is our guest. This guy has been around and he's seen some stuff. Little Feet's about to kick off a tour celebrating the band's 50th anniversary. They're out for most of March. They kick it off on March 7th at Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. They're going to the Beacon Theater in New York on March 8th, supposedly with the full Midnight Ramble band. That's uh, Larry Campbell, Amy Helm. Then March 9th, they're going to be in Collinswood, New Jersey at the Scottish Rite Auditorium. March 11th, Harvester Performance Center, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, March 12th, Atlanta Symphony Hall in Atlanta, Georgia, March 13th, Thomas Wolfe Auditorium in Asheville, North Carolina, March 15th at the Ryman in Nashville, March 18th at the King Center for Performing Arts in Melbourne, Florida, March 19th at the Ruth Eckerd Hall in Clearwater, Florida with Buddy Guy, March 20th, Florida Theater in Jacksonville, March 22nd, Pembroke Pines City Center in Pembroke Pines, Florida, And then they're going to be in Jamaica March 26th through 30th. I think that's sold out, but, you know, look into it, see what you can do. I recommend you catch any of these if you're a Little Feet fan. This is going to be a good time. So let's get into this conversation, shall we? But uh, Yeah, it's exciting that you guys are back out and you're marking 50 years this year, um, which is is remarkable. I mean, who, who thought, certainly not back then, that that rock and roll bands would last quite this long. 
I, I was looking back, you know, kind of through the catalog and kind of refreshing myself on some of the details. I mean, I've been a fan of Little Feet for a long time myself, but, uh, you know, it's sometimes good to sit down and remind yourself of what you think you already know. And uh, I was wondering if you could, um, I know that you are a Southern California guy by uh, upbringing and whatnot. And um, I know that uh, when the band started, you know, Lowell was in Zappa's orbit. I was wondering if you could, you know, kind of share with my listeners how you guys connected and made this band happen to begin with. Well, Jonathan, it was in the summer of 1969 that I made a uh, an effort to get down to Los Angeles to meet Lowell George. And that meeting took place based on an album of his called Uncle Meat. Um, but he was on, I should say, it was Frank Zappa and the Mothers, um, <clears throat> which I, I'd heard this record when I was up north, northern California, trying to join a band up there. And I... I heard this music and I thought, oh man, this is this is the kind of stuff I'd like to play. So I got in touch. Uh, Frank had two labels. One was Bizarre, and the other was Straight. <laughs> I called Bizarre. <laughs> so uh, I was introduced to um, Jeffrey Simmons, who was with a group called Eureka. Mm-hmm. I met Jeff down at the uh, Tropicana uh, Motel in Los Angeles is on, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And Jeff says, Oh man, I don't know. You, you play keyboards and I play guitar and keyboards, but uh, there's this guy you want to meet. His name is Lowell George. Uh, oh, okay. Back to the drawing board. I was living in Isla Vista and not so much living there, but was staying there, you know, crashing on in people's apartments, sleeping on the beach. I was just trying to, to get, uh, get a start doing something and um, so I drove down to Lowell's place in LA I hung to the right hand of the freeway all the way down because I was just so paranoid of <laughs> running into other cars or vice, vice versa and I got to Lowell's house and honestly the door was open there was some Eric Satie music wafting through the the uh, door Wow. And there's this beautiful young blonde girl sitting there, cross-legged, and looks up. She says, oh, you must be Bill. I go, oh, yeah, hi. Uh, well, Lowell's expecting you, but he's not going to be here for another four hours. <laughs> I said, really? What does he do? <laughs> what does he, uh, that's what he does when he's expecting you, huh? Okay, got, got it. So I went in there, and I was looking at his place and got a sense of the uh, where he lived, which is just uh, um, kind of a small place, but the back wall had a samurai sword on it. <laughs> the right corner had a sitar. I, I later learned he had been taking lessons from Rabbi Shankar, I believe. Wow. Uh, I looked through some of his, his albums. He had, you know, uh, Muddy Waters, Helen Wolf. There was, um, Frank had a, a, an album out on uh, Lenny Bruce. So I was looking at that. John Coltrane. Got a sense of who this guy was. So four hours later when he finally showed up, I had a sense of who he was. And we talked a good deal of the night away uh, discussing everything from music 
to what was going on politically. Uh, and again, this was 1969. Um, and this went from there. It was, it was an interesting, uh, very interesting meeting the guy. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, as a record guy, I, I feel like you can get a real picture of a person by flipping through their records, particularly if you can look at the, you know, if they're like me and they have a certain stack that's near the record player, you can get a real picture of who they are today, not just who they've been. Yes. But, um, so yeah, I, I would, I would, <laughs> I would kind of kill to be able to flip through that stack and know what he was, you know, really get into that. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of rad. And uh, I have to say, I didn't want to interrupt you before, but Uncle Meat is still probably my favorite Zappa mother's record. So it's kind of kind of cool that that's oh, the good. one. Yeah, that's just yeah, a wild man. album. <laughs> you know, we we won't we won't uh, hang into all the details because I mean the story is kind of out there for folks if they 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 want to know they can they can know. But uh, you know, I think I think it's it. There's a couple landmark moments a couple points uh so in 72 i think it's 72 you had a, a bit of a lineup shift that brought in kenny gradney sam clayton and paul bear uh not exactly the same time right you got a couple of them from delaney and bonnie and then uh and paul who had been around right he he didn't he audition on bass uh then he yeah, came he, in he auditioned. yep he was one of 14 bass players summer of 69 <clears throat> and Lowell uh, threw the bass at him and said, here, he says, yeah, but Lowell, I play guitar. He goes, well, so what? It's got two less strings. <laughs> <laughs> As a guitar player so, who, who can't play the bass, I sympathize with the plight. <laughs> yeah. I threw a chart in front of the guy. And as I've often said, that Stravinsky himself couldn't have read for a song called, uh, it was, uh, Oh, 10,000 whips, I think we called it. <laughs> Dance of the New Bile Virgin Slaves. And it was a wild piece. And Paul just sort of, oh, okay, got it. Anyway, we went, we, Richie and I went down to here about two years later. We did bring him back in. And um, Kenny Grady and Sam Clayton came in from Delaney and Bonnie, as as mentioned. And it, it just opened the band up to a more bluesy sound, a more aggressive sound. Yeah, and that uh, lineup more or less stayed there until, until the band uh, split up at the end of the end of the seventies. There with uh, Lowell's passing, um, and then uh, more or less you all came back together. You brought in Fred Tackett in the eighties. I mean, I know I'm telling you your story, but I'm just kind of uh, that's okay. Moving it along here for for the listeners because uh, I've got I got some questions I want to get to, but. Uh, I do want to make oh, sure we're talking ahead. about some of this. So, uh, um, and then, you know, you guys have been together ever since. I mean, technically, I guess you're the, the sole original member, but this band that, that we have roughly today, I mean, you know, the core group here, you guys have still, you've been together longer than most bands will ever exist. Um, how is, uh, how is it now playing with this group of people that you've played with for so long? Uh, like a comfortable pair of shoes. Uh, still a lot of work to get those shoes back on when you guys go out, or how does that feel? <laughs> well, I think you've said it accurately. It is a comfortable pair of shoes, and I think the comfort is what people have to to to, to um, not let it envelop them. 
this isn't about comfort. It's about how do we treat our music? Are we still paying attention? And there was a point a couple of years ago, maybe longer, I wasn't so sure that that's what we were really doing. Um, and so about a year ago, we played some some more shows. I thought the energy was, was very good. And this, this wasn't just a matter of people um, not being dialed in. I mean, Paul Bear's had some health issues. We're, we're all getting older. But, man, we, we played again a year ago. The energy was, was there. The song sounded great. We were having fun. And uh, I think that's the way to operate a band and uh, just be honest with one another and say, does this thing hit where it needs to hit? You know, does, it, does it still move you? And if it does, then you ought to share that with people. Yeah, I think that's um, this is an honest bit right there that most most groups, most people don't really advertise. And you know, sometimes it wasn't feeling like it was hitting, and uh, that's that's good to hear. And it's especially good to hear, of course, that you're 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 feeling it again. So um, yeah, I'm very excited for these upcoming shows. Um, but I, this is a Grateful Dead podcast. I'll be blunt with you. So I got a couple a couple questions that lean into that direction um, because uh, one of the things as a Little Feet fan that excited me a bunch of years ago was when you and Paul were brought in by Phil to play in Phil and Friends. And uh, I guess you first played with him in 99 and then you did a a whole summer tour in 2000. Um, That featured kind of a lot more open jamming than Little Feet is really known for. Um, and I, I'm just wondering how much, if any of that kind of really came back with you to Little Feet or your other work. I remember at the time thinking that this is sort of like the Chinese going down to, uh, are being reintroduced to time, which they discovered. I'm going to mess up my history, but let's call it a thousand years before Marco Polo reintroduced it to him. Yeah. When Phil Ash, what Phil Ash did was he reintroduced the notion of jamming to me. I used to jam with bands in Santa Maria in 1967, 68, etc. Um, but the the idea of it with, with Little Feet was we we could jam, but not in the not in the, the one chord samba and then moving into certain things that that the Grateful Dead were doing. And uh, so I was, I was pretty uh, impressed with the way Phil handled the stage, and his directions. Uh, I'm going, by the way, this weekend. I was listening to to the Grateful Dead this evening. Right I'm playing with the Everyone Orchestra with the Everyone Orchestra this weekend. Oh wow! In Denver. Yeah, and um, Steve Kimock's going to be there. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, Steve. I, I, I gotta say that. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. Steve was with uh, Phil when you when you, your first bit of time with him uh, uh, in '99. Uh, he's yes. he's I'm a big fan. He's he's a great improviser, great player. Um, but I didn't really have a question there. Yeah, I just want to interject. <laughs> no, it's cool. No, well, Kim Ock's great, and uh, I've listen. I've written twenty songs with Robert Hunter in the last what three years or whatever and um so my being inculcated back into the grateful dead camp is 
has done nothing but grown over the years. Uh, as a kid, I used to go and listen to him. But to your question on how it came back into Little Feet, um, the adventure, the adventurism that uh, that Phil displayed caught my attention. Um, but I still wanted to stay away from the one chord samba for the most part. Not that he he was doing that exclusively, but that was um, uh, I, I kind of bridged between Phil um, and let's say Miles Davis, right on the jazz side, where you're you're using what I call islands. So you're swimming along this this current, and you're playing in a certain key, and you're jamming. And this island appears, and this island could be another section to to a song. It could be a tempo change. It could be an, an introduction to yet another tune, whatever it is. But it's that's on on terra firma. You're you're hitting something that that's known. The rest of it's unknown. Is are there sharks? Are there icebergs? Is the water cold? Is there a warm stream coming up from Mexico? That's what jamming is. <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned Miles Davis. I was actually going back through uh, some of that tour with Phil, and I came across a recording of you guys uh, from the summer uh, tour in 2000 with uh, Robin Ford on uh, guitar as well and um, yeah. John Molo on drums. And you, in the middle of uh, a suite of tunes, if you will, um, mm-hmm. landed in Milestones, which, and a nice, nice workout on the tune um, that uh, I just had a blast listening to. Uh, Oh, good. Yeah. Um, Which reminds me of another thing, uh, Robin Ford playing guitar in that group. How is it more than coincidence that his son Gabe then became Richie Hayward's drum tech and his eventual successor when Richie sadly passed? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, Robin is is uh, Gabe's uncle. Uncle. And uh, his, excuse me. Yeah, that's that's right. No, that's okay. And um, Patrick and Mark are the other two brothers. Uh, Patrick was was Gabe's uh, father. Um, also, Robin Ford on a song I wrote back in the boy, when was it? Seventies, I guess, late seventies, early eighties. A song called Gringo. Robin played on that tune. Ah. So I was aware of, of Robin Ford for quite a while. Well, I know he's been around some time. I wasn't sure uh, how far back the connections were sewn. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Gabe's uh, grown to be quite a terrific drummer. So. He is, you know, and it's uh, with, with Gabe Ford, as with any anyone, I mean, you don't, you're not going to replace Richie Hayward. Um, Richie Hayward. I wrote a 10,000-word article on Richie Haywood that was in both jam bands and relics. I, I believe they split the article into two two articles if people want to go out and check out who Richie Haywood was. Um, but yeah, Gabe Ford is just a stalwart on the drums. I mean, I've, being a part of Little Feet is one thing, but we're a musician's musician's band, Jonathan. Yep. So with all the session work I've done, um, and people later knew that, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a keyboard player and one of the founding members of Little Feet. Uh, there's a whole thing that was swirling around that. But I've gotten to play with some of the best musicians in the world and still do. So it's, uh, um, I would encourage anybody that's out there listening that, that loves music, uh, 
whether you get a chance to play with the best in the world or not, the fact that you're playing music puts you in line with being a part of a, a rather exclusive club that none of us would join as a member uh, on our own volition, but but it's a <laughs> fact that we are a part of the club. <laughs> right on. Yeah, you know, uh, and this uh, goes to the my record-digging other other half, not Grateful Dead podcast guy, but the guy who just collects and digs records endlessly is, mm -hmm. you know, part of the joy and excitement and adventure of it is, you know, looking, and I learned this from jazz records initially, is looking on the back and see who's playing and saying, okay, well, this bass player, let me look for, find records with him. Uh, oh, this is the same guy that's yeah. on that and just start collecting and building a, kind of a, a web of a catalog um, and you guys definitely have all yeah. put in your share of time in that. Um, you mentioned Robert Hunter. I was definitely going to ask you about that. You had to know that was coming. Um, you actually, you included a few songs on the Rooster Rag record. Uh, was that 2012, uh, including that, um, that title cut and a few others. How did you, uh, how did you come together with Robert to do some writing? Cameron Sears, who manages Little Feet. Ah. Um, was one of the guy that, that introduced us, uh, introduced Paul and I to Hunter. And uh, Robert sent lyrics to both of us. Um, I saluted what he sent to me for whatever reason Paul uh, didn't. <laughs> and we, he, we were off and running. I mean, I, as I said, 20 songs with, with him. And I've got one that's I still haven't completed. I, I I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but if I do, I'll, I'll get in touch with Robert and say, hey, what do you think? So, but I, I actually, the interesting thing was I never met him. I never spoken to him on the phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, but 20 songs later, here we are. And they're good tunes, too. I mean, they're, uh, um, as one might expect, very circuitous. Um, he, he, he paid me a pretty high compliment once. I, uh, Telling me that, well, I, I, I returned the compliment. I said that the music is in the lyrics. He says, "Yeah, but it takes the composer to draw it out." And, and that's true. We, we did that in a very, very good sense for for a long time. I would kickstart it by sending him. I, in fact, that the, my sending him music was done a little later in the game. Um, he initially was sending me stuff, and I kind of go, okay, let me try this. Boom. So, uh, but yeah, I, I love this. In fact, I was, I was a friend of mine, Tom Garnsey, who I really got to know the Grateful Dead songs a lot more in intimately than I, than I ever had before. Uh, he and I have written a bunch of songs, but I play in a band occasionally up here in Montana called The Hooligans. But I said, Tom, there's a song called West, West End Hideaway. It almost sounds like something J.J. Kale might have written. He says, no, it's Garcia and, and Hunter. <laughs> and, uh, I said, okay, cool. But uh, that's one of, the, one of the students I'm learning for the weekend. Yeah, that uh, West L.A. West L.A. Fadeaway is a terrific song. It's got a, And it does have a kind of a great little like Kale shuffle kind of groove to it, doesn't it? So It does. Yeah. I work with J.J. From, on many records, so. That's why I was mentioning it, but I was happy to hear that. And this, this is like, Jonathan, we've been talking about this all night. I'll just continue the conversation. What we're talking about 
are influences. So when you're digging through those albums, you're going, hey, man, Herbie Hancock played on this. This is with Wayne Shorter. What else are they on? Right. That's the connection between things that Lowell and I used to talk about all the time. And when you're, when you're able to sustain that curiosity through life, whether it's through music, the food you eat, the politics you, you absorb and try and deal with, just about anything, it, it, it really does uh, keep you on a pretty good track, um, not of being happy necessarily, <laughs> but <laughs> of, of pushing your parameters to see just what is of interest to you. Have you grown? Are you, are you sort of still back in the, the stone ages from where you were? Most of us grow and, and we continue to, to figure out what, what moves us and what moves the needle. Yeah, I think that's something everybody uh, should try and remember. If you're not growing, you're you're just you're just sitting still, and uh, sitting mm-hmm. still is the that's where you start growing old. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, they'll grow old anyway. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, it beats the alternative, I guess. Um, so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so um, I I did want to ask you uh, about your you know you spent some time playing in leftover salmon. Um, what uh those guys are they're terrific i haven't seen them in ages honestly but uh you know used to see them all the time uh in the 90s and um how did that come about and how did you find that Uh, well i'm not exactly sure how it came about i know that (laughs) paul and i played with uh when when uh, their banjo player mark uh, i'm i'm at a loss for his last name but he was uh, had a few more months. No, none of us knew this, but he had a few more months to live. We played a, a few shows down in the Denver area with the band, and that was kind of, I think, my my initiation into leftover salmon were those concerts. Later, I started playing a little bit more. I, I did a couple of other shows here and there, and finally, I just started working with them, uh, and that was a, a result of, of Little Feet not not really playing as much and uh, uh, my schedule really opened up and, and these guys were terrific to come through when they did. Um, later, which is about three, three and a half years ago, um, my sense of scheduling shifted and I joined the uh, Doobie Brothers and uh, they've got a, a Eric and I don't know Eric's last name, but they've got a terrific um, keyboard player with them right now and, and they've always had good, good guys um, to, you know, Bill um, Elliot, I think, or, uh, played played keyboards with with uh, leftover. Uh, they've always had some great guys. Yeah, it's um, Mark Van, uh, who was yeah, he yeah was a you, terrific player, and uh, I think that okay. the current guy is uh, Eric Deutsch. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but I think that's right. Um, you know, I haven't okay, had the sure. pleasure of seeing, but I will take your word for it. If he's good, if you say he's good, I'm sure he's great. So, uh, we'll I've heard to... a little bit of him. I, I I've heard a little bit of, of what he's done, but I, again, these guys are not unlike Little Feet. Uh, hearing them live is really the acid test, as they say. So, um, I've yet to do that, but I'm hope, hopeful to very soon. Right on. Well, I'm, it's it's on my to do list as well. Um, so uh, I'm not going to belabor the tour dates here while we're on. I'll run them down after we talk for the uh, listeners. But I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you if there's any surprises coming up for the upcoming shows. Anything 
uh, new, uh, I think there's some guests in New York City. Maybe you could uh, give us a shine a light on that for us. Well, the, the, the guest situation in New York, um, I'm hopeful that we'll have Larry Campbell, Teresa Williams. We might get a couple of other people, uh, maybe uh, Connor Kennedy and some folks. Um, I'm going to be back in the New York area in mid-February, about when this comes out. I'm playing with Larry and Teresa at the, the City Winery in New York. Oh, cool. And uh, before that, I'm doing some recording with Larry. And um, let's see, uh, up, up near his place was Kinky Friedman. So a lot of this will be a surprise to me, too. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I'm just not sure, man. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a very busy year because I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between um, the Doobie Brothers, who are my first, uh, th- th- those are the people I hold my schedule open for are the Doobie Brothers and we're fitting in Little Feet wherever we can in and around their schedule. And um, do, do what 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 do you see in the uh, pardon me <laughs> uh, reading and thinking and t- speaking at the same time is completely falling apart here for me. Um, what do you see <laughs> ahead for Little Feet uh, as far as you know more touring uh, maybe some recording uh, anything like that up ahead? Well, I would. No promises. Push, I won't hold you to it if you want. <laughs> no, no. I Listen, I, I push you whenever I play with to do more um, and to expand. I, uh, and that includes the Doobie Brothers. I mean, I, uh, I'm one voice. Sometimes I need to know when to kind of lay back a little bit and let, let things happen. Um, but I like to, I like to push the parameters a bit. I would love to push the parameters with Little Feet. Uh, I mean, it'd be nice to do some uh, more songs. I mean, to actually record more songs. I've thrown into the hat a, a, a few more tunes that I'd like to see on the list. Um, I'm going to go into L.A. early to to rehearse at Paul's house for a couple of days, and not with everybody, but we'll have enough time to to, to put some things in order. The, the songs that normally don't get played, at least the last few years for Little Feet, are a lot of the more complicated songs that I write. And uh, let's say Representing the Mambo or, or Day at the Dog Races. Um, Some good uh, stuff. Red Stream Liner. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not writing them to be complicated. I'm writing them <laughs> because that's what I, I do. So... <laughs> um, People have tried to play oh, oh Atlanta, and I go, well, it was a, and I go, a little harder than you thought. And they go, yeah. I go, it's supposed to sound easy, and it is, but Bonnie Ray used to do a song with Sippy Wallace back in the day that was called It's Easy If You Know How. <laughs> and, uh, so they do, they do, just like the Grateful Dead's music, which I learned working with Phil Lesh, is that music is not easy. It requires a lot of thinking and a lot of maneuvering um, when they hit those those odd tempos they're doing. Oh yeah. And um, the, the first verse is not like the second verse, which is not like the third verse. We did that a lot of little with little feet. And what we were doing by by that, Jonathan, was we were accommodating, let's say, lyrics, for example, or if we had a musical idea that 
felt like it just it had to go somewhere uh, and it belonged in that tune. Well, then we're going to put it in the, the transition from the chorus into the bridge or from the, the second verse into the chorus. Um, it's not like we were going to be played on uh, AM radio. So why worry about it? It's just, it's just music, okay? <laughs> now, I, um, I'm a, a hack musician, as my listeners are probably probably get tired of me mentioning but uh i i've tried to play little feet songs and man i I sit down and just as you say it sounds easy and you sit down like what this it doesn't quite you know and it but it's a lot of fun to try um and i've had the same problem with some dead tunes um well yeah but you know the best way to do it honestly is do it in sections which is to say figure out what the verse is and then listen to what the bass is playing as opposed to what the chords are. Yeah. That's that's the other consultation. Just put on your studio ears uh, and, and say, what is Kenny Gravity playing? And get that locked down and then try the chords or vice versa. Uh, I will definitely take that pointer. Uh, th- this raises another question, though. Um, and mm-hmm. I think my, uh, my friends who are Fish fans will thank me for this. Uh, what was your thought uh, or... I trust you. You're aware that Fish covered uh, "Waiting for Columbus" uh, a few years back as one of their Halloween costumes. Uh, what What was your uh, What's your thought on that? I was uh, surprised uh, and pleased. Cool. And um, what uh, Mike? Uh, God, I'm having a tough time with Gordon. last names tonight. Mike Gordon. I called Mike Gordon up the next day. <laughs> I profusely thanked him. I said, please thank everybody in your band. It was quite an honor uh, for them to have done that um, for us. And um, yeah, that's when you get that kind of salute from fellow musicians. Um, man, it's it's a humbling experience, and um, I, I just want to let them know that I was really really happy about it. Well, I was um, I was sadly not there, but I was ecstatic when I got the word that that's what they were doing that night and uh you know ate up the tapes because i know they're of the right age to have been little feet fans going way back and i certainly was waiting for columbus was probably the first one i got and i definitely memorized every bit of it you know i i I had that tape in my car for years and years and uh and yeah it was it was uh, a, a big one for me and when when a band that i love you know took that out and played that for me for everybody uh i was pretty excited about it so i'm glad to know that Thank you. uh you uh <laughs> glad to know that you guys were <laughs> duly honored by that so oh thanks man yeah well um i've taken up a lot of your time and i really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me um i'm gonna with your permission we're gonna play everybody a you know, a few cuts from more recent Little Feet and uh, maybe, uh, you know, one of the Hunter tunes, uh, maybe Rooster Rag, because uh, I, I think I've found a really nice recording of that. And then I might actually sure. dig into some of that Phil and Friends stuff that I was listening to because uh, people listen to this show. I hope they are used to me playing, you know, the weird and heavy jammy stuff. And that that stuff really got there. So we're going to get a little bit of Little Feet and a little bit of, I think, Phil and Friends in the in the music after our chat but um very yeah, good man i appreciate that that's cool yeah and thank you so much for coming on and uh you know i look forward to the warner theater show 
Very good, Jonathan. Thanks again. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Okay, same here. All right, that was very fun. And thanks again to Bill Payne for humoring and chatting with me. We're going to spin a little bit of Little Feet. What we've got here is a couple tracks from the Philadelphia Folk Festival in Schwenksville, PA. I'm going to go ahead and spin these. We'll talk a little bit about them after that, and then we'll get down with some more music. So here you go. Hey, greetings, everybody.
Fred Tapia.
more of that stuff is on the archive, which is cool, and you should check that out. We just heard Spanish Moon and Rooster Rag. That's one of the tunes that Bill co-wrote with Robert Hunter. Uh, from, as I said, August 18th, 2012, at the Philadelphia Folk Festival in Schwanksville, PA. That was recorded and mastered by Chris Cafero, the Little Feet archivist. This next stuff we've got coming up is Phil and Friends, featuring Bill Payne and Paul Bear on keys and guitar, respectively. This was recorded at Fantasy Studios and edited for air on KFOG. They cut a few songs out, but what they left is killer. The date is June 12th, 2000. Again, Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California. The original set list is Viola Lee into Like a Rolling Stone, into I Know You Rider, into Mountains of the Moon, into Eyes, into Milestones, back into Viola Lee uh, with an encore of Box of Rain. And what we have here is just Viola Lee into Like a Rolling Stone, into Eyes, into Milestones, into Viola Lee Blues. Guys, you got to hang in for all of it. It's edited reasonably well, and the jamming is so good. You heard me mention in the interview, The Milestones. This is the one I was talking about. It's terrific. The band here, of course, is Phil, John Molo on drums, Robin Ford on guitar, Paul Bear on guitar, and Bill Payne on keys. Last thing I'll say before we fire this off is, uh, as always, you can find me at BrokeDownPod on Twitter and Instagram, at BrokeDownPodcast on Facebook, and on the web at BrokeDownPodcast.blogspot.com. You can reach out to any of these or drop me an email at BrokeDownPod at gmail.com if you've got some thoughts to share. Also, please consider reviewing the show on iTunes or wherever it is you may listen. It helps folks find the show, and I really appreciate it. That's it for us this time. We're going to play some rock and roll music and then say goodbye. So thank you all very much for listening. And until next time, be well.
door You're bound to fall And you thought they were all Kidding you
Osiris. 